I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a million every week. I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billion every week. I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire, I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire, I wanna be a billionaire. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Sleep is for Billionaires, the podcast. I am your host, Johnny Vegas. Now today, I have a special guest on my show. He is the CEO of Cord's Youth Enrichment Program. He's also a published author. Ladies and gentlemen, Edwin Johnson. How you hey, doing, my brother? How you doing, man? I'm Thanks doing for very having me well. on your show, bro. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming through. I'm glad to have you on your show. You do a lot of great things with the youth, man. I've been watching your movement for a while, and I'm definitely super impressed and proud of you, my brother. Thank Keep you, Keep doing your thing, it. man. And I brought you on this show, man, because I wanted you to shed light on some of the things that you do and how I can get involved and just everything that sparked the idea to get you to where you are today, man. So, uh, man, let's um, get it. Uh, where do I start? So, I'm going to start uh, from when I was young. So, Where you from? Uh, I'm from Los Angeles, like right out here, but I pretty much grew up in the city of San Bernardino. I've, I've been out there since I was 14 years old. Okay. Um, so... That pretty much, so what made me start my program and like different things that I do in the community was just my up, upbringing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being from, from out here, you know, uh, from, from Los Angeles, my father is currently incarcerated, uh, spending Sorry, a lifetime, yeah, man. man, you know, I'm spending a lifetime in, in, in prison and um, coming up, you know, it was a lot of abuse, neglect, stuff mm-hmm. like that from my parents, mm-hmm. you know, my father was gang affiliated, so that made us my brothers and I naturally gang affiliated. Yeah, kind of born into it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um... Was that tough for you, man? Like, dealing with that? You know, as a child coming up, like, you know, kids usually, like, play and go to school and you kind of, like, had it was extra tough. stuff involved. Man, it was tough because, like, I can't really remember, like, not one elementary school that I went to because we was moving so much. Mm. Um, and then it was also tough because, like, how my pops, um had us was you know we was we we was pretty much gladiator training mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying so i mean from wearing red mm-hmm. to uh walking through um i used to stay in the uh, hoover hood so you know because my pops is a blood mm-hmm. so he used to make me walk through the hoover hood flamed up <laughs> you know what i'm wow. saying you know so i'm walking around these gang members they're like hey hey cuz where you from and i'm like <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah yeah and yeah. so and so just um experiencing things like that um, and so that ended up, I ended up taking that with me to the city of San Bernardino. Uh-huh. And so, because that's all I knew at, at the time. So here I am, 14 years old, you know, just trying to find my way in a city that I've never been to. Yeah. You know, um, going through a lot of uh, stuff in my family, growing up in poverty, growing up without nothing. It was kind of like um, my brothers and sisters and I, you know, we had stayed um, with my grandmother. And there was a lot of us that lived in the house. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of challenging to, you know, just to really have that peace of mind. So mm. only thing I knew was the streets. Only thing I knew was hanging out. Only thing I knew was smoking. Only thing I knew was drinking. Yeah. And that game mentality mm. when I moved to the, to the city of San Bernardino. Mm. And so, like, what ultimately started to change for me was getting involved in the after-school program. And so in this after-school program, um, they gave me, like, an opportunity to explore different things. And so their main foundation was to teach me how to have a voice, Mm -hmm. teach me how to understand my purpose and passion and and calling, Mm -hmm. and 
to be able to have a safe haven to come to. Mm-hmm. Because growing up in the streets of San Bernardino, um, in poverty, and still like not really having a stable place to go or having a stable you know place to to like even eat food. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of um, challenging for us to to be able to like, hey, I enjoy school or I enjoy hanging out with my friends because it was always survival. Mm-hmm. You know, and so because it, it was always survival, it, it, it was always, um, you know, trying to hold on to like certain things, you know, like trying to hold on to the small stuff that we had, you mm-hmm. know. And so like um, growing up during that time, uh, my mom ended up connecting me to an after school program. Okay. You know, and so. We we pretty much only went to this after school program because we needed something some food to eat. Mm. You know, it just it just provided a meal for us because mm. we were struggling at the house. Right. Um, because like my uh, parents, well, not not my parents, but my mom and her boyfriend. You know, they would go to like Stater Brothers and like the markets and stuff like that, mm. and would, we would eat like dumpster dive food. You know, wow. that's where they would pop the lock on the trash. Get the food out of that they just threw out. You know, sometimes the cheese had mold on it. Had to cut the, <laughs> cut the wow, mold off the cheese. Bro, that's you know what I'm saying? crazy, brother. And so for us, it was like food. Like that's that that's survival. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, um, so we ended up going to this after school program. And so while I was in this program, man, like it was a white guy. His name is uh, PK. He's still one of my mentors. Um, they embraced me. Mm-hmm. You know, because cause, cause I, I was this kid who never went to school. They're like, well, why is this, this guy never in school? But he's eating lunch up here every day. Mm-hmm. You know, because I would dish school like that because, like, I didn't feel like I was adequate, you know, to, to, to be in school because I didn't, you know, I was getting picked on, bullied, mm-hmm. uh, never had, like, the nicest clothes. So people were, ah, you know, look yeah, yeah, man, you know. Made you feel some type of way. Right. So I'm like, yo, I don't even want to go to school. Like, right, you know right, what I'm right. saying? So, like, I would ditch. I would go to this place. And then, so... They would serve lunch there, and so while while I was eating lunch, um, it was one of my mentors. His name is uh, David Kalki. You know, he kind of um, embraced me. I didn't trust him because I never really was around white people like that. Mm-hmm. And so, what he did was he embraced me with something that was passionate to me, or, or, or passionate for me, and like something that I could identify with, which was hip hop. Mm. So I mean, just imagine this fifty-year-old white man, gray hair, you know, Timberlands on, DKNY jeans, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, with the black, you know, pastor shirt with the white collar, yeah, rolling up playing Tupac, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, Machiavelli, and I was like, yo, that's the yeah. new Machiavelli, though, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so he used that to be able to like reel me in because even though like he he was from the Bronx and stuff like that. He knew the culture. I didn't know him though. Like I already passed judgment on him. That's a white boy. Yeah, that's yeah, a white yeah. man. I, I I can't deal with the white man. Mm-hmm. But when he wrote a plan at Machiavelli, bro, like it just changed my whole perspective. Yeah, he looked at him different. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I was like, man, he can relate. He understands. Mm-hmm. And then I slowly but surely started to build that relationship with him. Um, and then he was a pastor that used profanity. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, oh, he is dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, you know, every every cuss word in a book, mm-hmm. you know, like that was him. You know what I'm saying? But um, he ended up bringing me in, man, to this after-school program. And then once I got involved in the after-school program, they started just giving me different opportunities. They wasn't tripping that I wasn't, I wasn't in school. They wasn't mm-hmm. tripping about me not, you know, um, um, you know, like me not consenting with my mom for like certain things. Because that was a safe haven for me. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, that was kind of like, 
you know, like that was like a peaceful place for me to go to, go to in the midst of the chaos. Yeah, it seems like they just wanted to keep you safe, you know, and keep you away right. from everything. Since you weren't going to school, I mean, the only option would be the streets, you know what I'm saying? Right. So it seems like they knew that that would be a perfect alternative for you. So that's what's up. Right, right. And then, like, um, and then so, like, while I was there, man, um, they they had made me a, a leader over a program called the Communications Program. Okay. And so uh, my other mentor, Tom, he was, like, the director over the teens. You know, like, they taught us, like, youth activism. They taught us, um, you know, about having a voice. Mm -hmm. And Tom started teaching me um, desktop publishing. Because, okay. Because we had a newspaper called Reality Check. Okay. And so while I was there, you know, like, they was like, well, Edwin, you know, let's make you the communications director. Mm -hmm. You know, here I am, 17 years old, mm -hmm. on the streets, homeless, you know what I'm saying, nowhere to go. Because yeah. by then, I, um, I was already kicked out of my mom's house. Mm -hmm. So... You know, living here to here, living at, at friends' house sometimes. And your dad was already locked up at this point? Yeah, so he got locked up at uh, when I was 12. Okay. And so, like, uh, rewind, like, um, me and my mom's boyfriend ended up getting into it. Getting into it. Mm -hmm. he was, you know, he, he was very verbally abusive and stuff like that. And I already seen my mom go through that with, with my pop. So I was like, yo, you ain't about to do this to my mom, bro. Yeah. You know, so, you know, ended up pressing him and... um she ended up saying, well, you know, why are you in my business? Now, you you know, you need to get out or you got to apologize. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I was out. I'm out, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I was already, so, so like, during that time, I was already involved in the after-school program. Um, and so, when I was there, despite whatever was going on in, in my life, I felt connected to that place. Mm -hmm. So, I was there every day. Seven days a week. That's even if up. even if there was nothing to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd be there chilling. And then, so, like, they opened it up for us, like, for, for myself and other teens to be able to be there and experience that because they knew it was nothing else for us in the streets. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, um, what ended up happening was um, um, Tom started teaching me, like, desktop publishing and stuff like that. Okay. You know, like Photoshop, Illustrator. You know, I never even heard of that in, mm. in my life. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and so um, Tom ended up teaching me that, and then um, he had made me in charge over this teen newspaper. So, and this teen newspaper was crazy. Like, we was cussing in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Using profanity, like yeah. saying F the police. You know what I'm saying? Because it was a lot of police brutality in, in that community. Yeah. Um, you know, youth rights. Uh, talked about Taisha Miller, talked about Prop 21. It was just a document where youth can be free right. to express themselves. Like, that newspaper gave us a voice. Mm. Gave the kids in the program a voice to have no fear to, to, to speak their thoughts, to, to speak the different things that may be experiencing um, in their lives and, like, in their home lives and stuff like that. And, like, some of our um, articles got published. Like, um, I had did one that got published that they studied at Cal State San Bernardino. Mm. I mean, 17 years old, you know what I'm saying? Like, what? They studying my article about police awesome, brutality? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I didn't think none of it then because I was just like, right, you know, I just yeah. want to write this paper and yeah. chill, you know, eat the food they got. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I cared about. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So while I was there, man, it just gave me, um, it just gave me like the life skills that I needed that I didn't have at home. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, like, um, it wasn't no particular format. It wasn't no particular structure. It was just love at the end of the day. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's love on these kids. Like, 
let's love on these kids and like give them different opportunities so that they can um, excel in life. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, 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 so that they can um, um, replicate what's what's been taught to them when they get older. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so like the foundation of course program is what I experienced coming up as a as a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a high school dropout, got my GED. You know what I'm saying? Um, and what pushed me to get my GED? Because I ended up getting fired from the church when I was 21. Oh, really? From, from after school. Ah, oh, man, I was wilding out. I didn't appreciate it at that time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you had 17, you got the thing published, you got good food, and then... Right. I was there for at, like seven years, bro. What happened at the last year, though? Okay, so like the last year, year, man, like... Um, like, what happened at the last year was everything that I experienced as a, as a, as a child coming up, because mm-hmm. like I was molested as a child, I was abused as a child, like all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um it started to affect me. Mm, like mentally? Growing up, yeah. Okay. So it, it has started to affect me growing up because, you know, like, a lot of African Americans do not get counseling or, or therapy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so it it, it it starts to act out in, like, certain ways in our life. Like, maybe we become addicted. Mm-hmm. Maybe we become addicted to certain things or we become abusive. We have a lot of anger. But those is because of the unresolved issues that we have from our past, those past traumas. Mm-hmm. And so because I never really dealt with those traumas as I got 18, 19, 20 older, you know what I'm saying, it like really started to push me to the edge to where I was drinking a lot, mm-hmm. all the time. So like I would come to work, um, um, I would come to work drunk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like faded though, like yeah, you know, and like then you shouldn't have been there. Type right, drunk. yeah, right. And then like PK is what we call the the, the pastor I was talking mm-hmm. about. So we call him PK, and like PK be like, "Yo, yo, where was you at?" And I was just like, "Man, you know, my bad." You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. you you know, reeking the alcohol. Though. Mm-hmm. You know, so like so so pretty much like not um, appreciating, you know, um, what I had coming mm-hmm. up. You know what I'm saying? Like not not appreciating where I came from. And then so with the whole alcohol thing, um, always like always started drinking when I was 11 years old. Mm. Um, I used to drink alcohol and smoke weed with my mom at 11. Mm. You know, so it was just like coming up, you know, I would drink here and there. But then like around 18, 19, 20, that's when it really hit me. You know what I'm saying? Now, what do you think was it about your previous situation that hit you at that point because prior to that you seemed happy you know you right. were working at this youth center and you were you were you were getting exposed to a lot of good things and then you know it seems like one day to the next it just kind of hit you from your past experience and then you started i guess going into a depression right so what right. what sparked that thought at that time because it happened already you know what i'm saying then right. you were happy and then what happened at that point that it made a switch what happened was I really start to process it. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I really started to process, like, I'm here by myself, no family around, homeless, you know, um, living with people, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, with nowhere to go, you know what I'm saying? Like, no high school diploma, mm-hmm. you know? So it just really started to, started to hit me, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, then, and, and, and then, too, like, that was, that was, like, around the time that my father started calling me. Mm. You know, so he started, you know, trying to c- connect with me, and so everything just started coming, boom, boom, boom. Mm. You know, because uh, um, I didn't like him for for a while, for years. How's your relationship with him now? I mean, we all right. You know, I mean, he still called me and stuff like that. Uh, you know, we talk sometimes. Um, he's hoping to get out of prison soon. I mean, but he was given a life sentence. I, I think he's up for um, for uh, 
No, he no, he goes to board. Okay. Twenty twenty twenty. Okay. So he's hoping to get out, you know. So I mean we'll see how it goes. When you speak to him, does he ever like apologize for the way he brought you up? Nah, or do you man. nah? Denial, bro. Denial, okay. Yeah, and, and, and so for me, because he was in denial about how he treated us, how he treated my mom, um, for me, I had to be the bigger man and say, you know what, I'm going to just let it go. Yeah. You know, because, you know, he's like, no, it's a lie. None of that happened. You, you know, why, why, why do you hate me so much? And it's just like, all right, you know what, I'm going to just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and plus the way he was living, like, you know, under that code, it's like a right. certain... You're like not necessarily brainwashed, but kind of brainwashed into this is the way things are supposed to be because this is the life I'm representing. You know what I'm saying? Right. The code I'm living by, or whatever. So you treat the people around you as such, like you got to do what I'm doing or it's nothing because this is right. what it is for me. So I feel you on that. Right, right. And and, and, and and sadly, man, like I mean, in that culture, you know, like you know, there was a lot of people that was affected by it. I mean, both of my brothers spent a long time in, in prison, like. Uh, my brother Edmund just got out uh, from doing a 12-year sentence. He's 32, 33 years old. Mm. My oldest brother did a, you know, did juvenile life from 16 to 25 in the youth authority. Mm. You know, and so uh, by the grace of God, I, you know, I never been to prison or jail or anything like that. Um, but see, like all those things that I face, um, it had came to me in another way. You mm. know what I'm saying? So like, you know, so. So, like, the feeling of, like, not having a dad, you know, like, the pain of not having a stable family and, and like, um, coming up poor, like, being bullied, being teased, being molested, you know what I'm saying? Like, all those things that I dealt with started to show up as an adult. Mm. You know what I'm saying? To where I was, like, angry all the time, you know, I was, um, you know, messing with multiple women, you know, trying to fill a void. And, yeah. You know, so, like, all these, so, like, all those different things um, started to come out. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it wasn't until I had to understand, you know, like what what, what I went through, mm -hmm. um, talk to people about what I went through, wrote my book um, to where everything became clear. You know what I'm saying? And, so the book so, was more about your story or? Yeah, it was about my story. OK. Yeah. Pretty much like a memoir type of motivational um, book. And so like in my book, it just talks about everything that I went through and because of what I went through, what transpired in my adulthood. Mm, and what was the name of it? Piggy Wiggy. Piggy Wiggy. Yeah. Why that name? Because uh, <laughs> because my pops, man, like, my pops will always talk about my weight. Okay. When I was young, you know, he used to call me, uh, you know, disrespectful names. Okay. You know, uh, fat ass and, you know, all the B word mm -hmm. and everything. And so, like, but the name that he used to call me the most was Piggy Wiggy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, and um, and like, even from that, you know, affected my self esteem coming up. Right. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. And and it was just insane, bro. Because like the position that I'm in right now, and like the opportunities that God has blessed me with, um, I feel like everything that I went through was training for it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. like, so I was in gladiator training a long time ago mm -hmm. to be able to be resilient, to be able to overcome certain things, to be able to deal with certain things in a certain manner, yeah. manner to where I can still push through. Mm -hmm. I can still press through. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And like, um, um, and so that, so like everything that I went through then is like uh, my calling for, for like right now. Mm -hmm. And so the after school program that I was at was serious training 
for what I'm doing now because they, man, they have opened up my eyes to something that I never experienced before. I traveled with them, um, traveled like a lot of different places where we, um, where they taught us how to organize, where they taught us how to just be self-sufficient and teaching us life skills in a way that wasn't the normal way to teach people life skills. Mm -hmm. Get in there and do it. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just get in there and do it. Go do it. I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. get in there and do it. It's that easy, saying? though. You just right. gotta decide. Get in there. Psh, mm -hmm. Come on. And then so, um, and then so like after I ended up getting fired from the place, you mm -hmm. know, um, it was hard, man. Like that was a turning. That was a major turning point in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, and like I feel like it was all designed. You know, um, I don't regret anything that happened. Um, but it was all designed because it was time for me to go because I was there for like eight or nine years. Right. And I pretty much maxed out on anything that I can learn. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so um, um, it was it was pretty emotional when I left. Um, everybody was crying. I was crying. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, my mentors was like, man, we got to let you go. Tears in their eyes. And yeah, I was just yeah, like, yeah. why y'all doing this to me? And, yeah. and I thought the world was over, bro, mm -hmm. because that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. From the streets to the after school program to what's next. Right. <laughs> and so um, what I did was is uh, I ended up getting my GED. First step. Nice. I, I, I got my GED. Um, I was trying to get my high school diploma. Um, but they was like, well, if you take the GED and pass it, you can get credits towards your high school diploma. And I was like, okay. So yeah. I took the GED. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't need the ice cream diploma now. Yeah, exactly. I'm out. Good, <laughs> I was like, I'm out. Yeah. Right. And so I did that and I ended up going to like University of Phoenix for, for four years. I started working in like the social service. Mm -hmm. um, I, I worked at the prison for um, for eight years total because I worked at two prisons. What were you doing in the prison? Um, I was a counselor there. Okay. Yeah. So like I was a counselor in a prison. So I got to see what my father was experiencing and like I got to see what it's like in there. And so that equipped me too, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm like, yo, now I can work on the prevention side, mm -hmm. you know, so like kids don't have to come to the uh, prison and stuff like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so after I left the prison, man, like I just saw how it just sets up, you know, inmates to fail, you know, and, 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 and send them right back, you mm -hmm. know, um, due to the lack of resources and stuff like that. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's all a check at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> prison industrial system. You know, it's it's that's another topic. Mm -hmm. But um, what 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 happened was um, man, like um, I was working in social service. I was working with youth. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was working with at at risk teens as a behavioralist. Mm -hmm. So I would go to their house and stuff like that. I would do like behavioral interventions, um, and like I would always go like above and beyond with my job with the youth. You know, because like I knew that it wasn't just textbook, you mm -hmm. know, it wasn't just um, cookie cutter. Like, you know, you, you have to be able to relate, you, you know, you, you really have to be able to have that passion um, for the youth mm -hmm. and, um, and like, understand the uh, things that they've been through. Mm -hmm. My life. Right. I already been through that. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't want to go through this. Right. So. I already, already been through that. And so, like, I will always still do music. You know, like I was doing gospel rap and stuff like that, making beats, you know, doing gospel rap, mm -hmm. always doing music and stuff. Um, and so, like, what ended up happening was, man, like, during that social service, um, it was all de designed, man. Like, like when I say, like, all this was designed, set up, purpose, God, God just steered everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, 
I got into a car accident one day. Got into a car accident in my um, social service job on um, lunchtime. I was with one of my boys. Mm. And so him him and I was already talking about starting like a youth program. Shout out to Max. Mm. Uh, it's, one of, it's one of my good friends. So him and I was was always talking about starting this music program. You know, um, not to where it is right now, but it was an idea. So we had came up with the name for it, CORDS, mm -hmm. which is an acronym. Mm -hmm. And that stands for Creating Hopeful Opportunities and Resiliency by Developing Skills. Nice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, 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 so we came up with the, with the name for it, but we were just like, ah, oh, man, you know, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, just playing just around. Idea. Yeah, yeah, just an idea, you know, yeah. back to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah. like, we probably had one meeting about it or something. Mm. But it was like back to work. So then, um, like I said, like we ended up um, getting into a, a car accident. I was driving. Somebody hit us, like ran a red light, mm. smacked us, boom. So we're both out of work. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, so um, so like during this time, like I'm at home, man. I'm like, yo, what am I going to do? Like I can't go back to work right now. So um, and then I was like, you know what? Like something just, just, just hit me one day. It was like create that business plan mm. you know and so I did like I never did a business plan in my life right ever like I just googled it like I just googled how to make a business plan mm. and then I found a template yeah on Microsoft Word right, right. or whatever and then like they had a place to, for, for you to do like a logo and so my logo was like my first logo was like two sticks figures like on the side of a drum <laughs> like a little hey, it worked whatever works <laughs> yeah I was just like okay so um, I didn't think it was going to go nowhere or anything like that. Um, and so I had created the proposal and like, so like, like I said, like I was doing gospel rap and stuff like that. And so what I ended up doing was, um, it was a lady that called me that, that always had me out to perform at like at her church and at her event. Mm -hmm. So, um, I told her I was out of work and I was like, nah, I don't do gospel rap no more. Like, it's not my thing. I don't do it. <laughs> I don't do it no more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, so she was like, well, so what are you working on? I was like. Oh, nothing. I was just sitting here just working on this proposal for this program I'm trying to start. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, um, what What program are you trying to start? Um, I was like, just a youth program, nothing. She was like, oh, well, let me see it. Bring it to my office. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so she, um, this was, uh, this was in 2011. She was like, bring it to my office because she was a, she was an owner of a um, FFA, which is a foster family agency. Mm -hmm. And so, um, nice lady, um, and so I showed her my proposal, and she was like, oh, well, maybe you can start over here. We have a space over here, mm -hmm. and you can work with our kids, and we can just help you, you know, you can just keep the space. Mm -hmm. We wasn't talking about paying me, none of that. I did it all for free. Um, and so got the building, and I, and I was just like, man, you know, so I started, I took all my studio stuff out of my house, which is it probably, I, it, it was whack stuff that yeah. I had. But it worked, you know right. what I'm saying? We had bed foam on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Mattress foam or whatever. <laughs> had match home on the wall hey, so like start somewhere <laughs> right so some of it was already turning orange and all yeah, that yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah. like a dark orange from yellow it was just crazy so um, we did our grand opening and um, we just invited the community I made some hot dogs I had some people that was helping me uh, invited the community out they all came you know kids was there we, you know we did painting like so it was um, a great turnout it was a it was a good turnout but after that we didn't have no kids Oh. You know what I'm saying? So so after that grand opening day, uh, when we actually started services, mm -hmm. one kid in there. Why do you think that months, is? Months. It was right across the street from the police station. 
dead smack 200 yards away from the police station. You know, and yeah. so because we're in the... We're in the city of San Bernardino where people don't trust police. Mm -hmm. They're like, we ain't going over there. Yeah, exactly. You know, kids, kids was like, we're not going over there. You know, mm -hmm. so we was right downtown too. And so, plus I believe like it was, it was something bigger than that because I wasn't ready for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I wasn't ready and like I needed the preparation mm -hmm. because it was going to be something bigger. Right. Uh, along the line. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so I didn't get discouraged. And so, during that thought, you know, like during that during that dark time where where I didn't have kids, I was working two jobs now to help um, to actually pay this office space that we have, mm -hmm. you know. So like, I have somebody else working with the kids there, and I'm over there trying to make sure that I work these two jobs so I can get the money to pay for the building, pay for my house, pay for my kids, and all that, mm -hmm. you know. So um, that ended up happening, and then so we ended up losing that place, and then we was like. At the um, church that I was, that, that that I was telling you that I was at, mm -hmm. so we ended up going back there. Like they they, they under new leadership, nobody's there. That I was there when I was younger, mm -hmm. um, so they, they had us in this little sweat box, in, in the sanctuary. But we started wow. getting kids up. Yeah, like nine kids or something like that. But it was it was hot in there, man. Mm -hmm. Like phew, we was in there roasting, like, <laughs> sweating bullets. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. I ended up taking my TV from my house and bringing it in there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> It was just crazy, man. Like it was, it was, it was just crazy because, because like, what what that taught me was the sacrifice, was the commitment, was the consistency, was listening to God. Mm -hmm. When you know, when 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 the Lord was like, "Do this," you know, because this is what I want you to do, and I'm gonna take care of you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It happened right away. You know, it didn't it didn't happen right away because we had went through a lot of different changes. I went through a lot of life changes. Mm -hmm. Ended up getting a divorce and stuff like that. Um, but no matter what I went through, no matter all the hard times that I went through and, like, no matter what challenges faced me, you know, to where I was, you know, sometimes crying at night, like, man, like, why you got me still doing this? You know, getting fired from jobs mm -hmm. because I was working on my <laughs> program and stuff yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. you know, um, at work. And, and, you know, it was just like, it was just like, it was a dark time for me. Mm. going through that so like it was a it was a dark time for me to be able to follow my passion follow my dreams build and and and, and, and to continue to do it even though it was hell going on behind me mm -hmm. i had to keep pressing you know um to, to becoming homeless again like after i got divorced mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying um sleeping in my office mm -hmm. you know showering at the gym in the morning yeah you know what i mean like insane you know what yeah. i mean like literally waking up People are like, man, Edwin, you in the gym every day. Yes, because I need to shop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, they you think you're trying to get swole. Right. Right. They're, like, they're like, man, you dedicated. You in there seven days. Yeah, I'm trying to shop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But now, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, so, funny. and so just, you know, I mean, just, you know, just really being committed to the purpose, to the cause, to the calling, mostly. Yeah. You know, and um, I stay committed to it through, through divorce, through, through, through everything. You know, through through brokenness, through fights with my family. You know, I, I stay committed to it, man. And, and and today, we're in twelve schools. Congratulations! Paid, thank you. Paid, contracted, twelve schools. Um, we're in, currently in um, um, one juvenile hall, working on another one right now, mm. in, in in a high desert, and that's a contract contract with group homes now, when you when you say contract is that something through like the board of education or like how did how, how did 
What do you mean by that? Okay, so like, um, okay, so, so, so my um, hip hop shop program. Mm -hmm. So, so we have a program called the Hip Hop Shop, and so that's that's an after school program that's contracted through San Bernardino City Unified School District. Okay, which is a CAPS program. CAPS stands for Creative and Be Creative After Before and After School Programs. Okay, and so CAPS contracts with with my organization. We're a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. They contract with us, and we provide the service. Okay, at um, right now four school sites. Um, in the city of San Bernardino, in this, in this, in this after school, mm. so we provide services to about twenty kids a day, sometimes more, sometimes less, mm. depending on how these kids feel when they show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and then so starting January two thousand nineteen, we'll be um, with superintendent of schools, which is a county thing, um, and so then we'll contract with them at their school, so they're more like continuation. Mm. And so um, so we'll be at their schools now. Um, and we're also at the jails now through probation. Okay. Um, and so at the jails, it's, it's, it's the same thing. And so now we're working with, uh, um, you know, kids who are murderers and, mm. and all these different things, you know, facing 20, 20 years, 40 years, and they're all teenagers. Yeah. You know, but but the program is like giving them an outlet. You know, it's, it's like giving them an outlet to be able to express themselves, you know, because... Uh, there's so many kids who can't get up and do public speaking, but if you say write a rap, you're going to hear their whole life in it. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm That's saying? Crazy, you know, yeah. Right. And, and, and there's kids who can't write an essay and have proper grammar, but they can write 16 bars mm -hmm. that goes great with a beat, and they're expressing themselves. Right. You know, and so, um, and, and, and also we have a middle school program um, called Young Men's Empowerment, Mm -hmm. um, and that's through uh, uh, Rialto City Unified School District, um, where we're teaching life skills. You know, we're teaching social skills. We're teaching them um, um, about uh, bullying prevention. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but we're doing it in an artistic way, to where they can learn about it. Then now, you recite it back to us, mm -hmm. and what you learned from the lecture and art and writing a bar and recording and, and, and uh, producing. So. Music is just to carry for it, right? You know, but but, but at the same time, um, they're learning a vocational trade mm -hmm. through that music. Because uh, I have staff that went to the art institute that paid a hundred thousand for you know just to get that four year degree, and what we teach for free, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, um, and so like all the kids in the program have a voice. You know, they have the opportunity to excel because we're showing them that you can live. Uh, you can live a certain way and still be successful. Mm -hmm. Focus on your passion. Focus on your craft. Focus on love. Focus on things that are around you, especially in the city of San Bernardino. Um, maybe like two years ago, we had 63 homicides. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and like, uh, there's a lot of uh, city officials. Well, we have a new mayor now, but like, you know, I mean, like the city really don't do nothing for the youth out there. Mm. You know, so, you know, it's it, it's a lot of these nonprofits and um, programs through San Bernardino City Unified are left to be able to provide services to these youth, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a lack of resources in our city, mm -hmm. right? And so um, I'm thankful that we have the, the um, opportunity to be able to connect, to connect with kids, whether it's in um, a school format or whether it's in an institution format mm -hmm. or whether it's through a com community event, you know. Right. We do a lot of community events in the community that 
where we try to connect parents and kids through arts, through through music, through um, through uh, different cultural activities, right? Like, like Juneteenth and you know all these different things to show them that you know there's still hope, right? In our city. No, that's great, man. It sounds like your your mission is is admirable, man. And I think you know if kids really <clears throat> support it and pay attention, you know they definitely would be steered in the right direction. I, you know, I was just, as you were speaking, I was picturing myself as a child, if I had this program available, I feel I would be so much further ahead right. in music, you know what I'm saying, and um, also, I would, what would entice me to be a part of it, if I was a child at that moment, would be some type of internship program where if I pass your course, you know, the next step would be kind of shadowing like a multi-platinum producer or you know sitting with a rapper yeah, in jail like if you do you offer stuff like that man. for the youth as well <laughs> man I like, I like man it's so much stuff so um 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 I heard, do you know the um Avila brothers Avila brothers so they no. so um so uh Bobby he produced for like Usher okay you know and uh, um is Avila you know so like right now we're uh, partnering with them you know, multi-platinum producers. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they did Usher's, uh, that, that, that whole album, um, Confessions. Confessions. Mm -hmm. Right, so, like, I ended up meeting him um, through somebody else. And so, like, we sat down and, and, and talked about this exact same thing because we just got a community center downtown San Bernardino. So what that's going to entail is not just kids running around, you know, being babysat and, you know, just, just doing crazy stuff, but to be able to teach them Different different art components, whether mm -hmm. it's producing, writing music, making beats, graffiti, dance, you know, um, um, web design, media design. Um, so the Avila brothers have a have a school out here, and, um, and it's called Fifteen Hundred Studios mm -hmm. or something like that. Oh, Fifteen Hundred or nothing? Yeah, there you go. The one ran by Rants. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so um, so is Avila um, is a part of that. Okay, and so like our goal is to not do that all the way, but you know, where, where where we have kids that are learning certain certain things that they like. Mm -hmm. And then so once they learn it at our center, then like the next step will be an internship with them because they're building a studio in Rancho Cucamonga, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to connect with, with them after they're done with us and to learn more. And who knows where that's going to go? Oh, exactly. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then like one other thing that we do is um, kids that are in the program, you know, that learn the program, they become employees of mine. Mm. You know, so like I have kids right now that are engineers that are still in high school, but they're paid a stipend through the program. Nice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's sure. just, you know, because like <clears throat> ultimately just like the after school program that, that I was in, mm -hmm. um, it was ran by the youth. So like my model for our, our program is for youth by youth. Right. And then so, you know, like we just been getting like a lot of support like from um, Disaster, you know, he just... Um, the battle rapper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Got so... So the uh, battle rap disaster um, has been supporting us, coming to our events, talking to kids, uh, keeping them connected. Like we're trying to actually put like a youth battle league together in San Bernardino. That's you know cool. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like you know, you know, we've been talking about that, and um, he's just been like a huge support, man. And um, um, you know, just coming out and just you know, I mean, just offering his time. Mm. Also, um, um, DJ. Position. Um, that's a uh, Bone Thugs and Harmonies DJ. Nice. You know, good friend of mine too. Like, comes out, talk to the kids, help them write hooks. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's it's just insane, bro. You know, I mean, just, I mean, like, 
I had this program coming up, but it wasn't to this level, though. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we did, like, the newspaper, but, like, the arts run the culture, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially for the young generation. Right, exactly. And so we're providing that in one hub, and we're traveling doing it, too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's a blessing, bro. <laughs> no, that's that sounds great, and, and honestly, man, just just to add to that, I definitely feel like something like that should definitely be documented. So, um, you know, if allowed the opportunity to work with you, I would definitely like to cover that, you know, and try to do some type of either documentary style or show out of it. You know what I'm saying? That'd you see, cool, I got man. the right. I got my own equipment, right, so I right, could right, definitely right. follow you guys yeah. around and try to document it and see how we can try to produce a show out of it because I think yeah. that'll be the next step to spread awareness to it because you're already right. getting to school firsthand right. but there's people that's not in California that might not be aware of it right. might not know disaster might not know 1500 or right. might not know you right. you know what I'm saying that that need to be aware of that and I think if it's if something that's documented that can be put on the right platform it'll take matters to a whole new level yeah. you know and right. I need 10 percent for that idea, you know what I'm saying? Hey, for real, man. No, I'll definitely like to help you with that, brother. You know, even the next event, you got, I'll cover it and then collect as much archive as I can and then put it together and then see what we can do with it. Yeah, man. You know, and and like, and like, it's crazy because, you know, even following these kids around, man, Mm because like, how I stay connected to the kids is is through social media. Mm -hmm. I I tell every kid that I deal with, hey, add me on your social media. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not on there to, to be a bully, be like, hey, what are you doing? You know, why you don't do that? Because nobody did that to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they was like, well, everyone try this instead of this. You mm-hmm. know, like, I was 16, 17, cussing, cussing up a storm. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, and so, like, to me, like, this generation is um, of, of, of youth are kind of worse than we, than, than we was. Mm-hmm. And that's only because of... of I really believe it's because of the music and the influences. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're talking about sex. Dr- they talking about drugs more than ever. Right. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? And so they're making drugs cool. Mm-hmm. They're making killing cool. You know what I'm saying? Like they're making all these things cool, and it's just like, you know, it's we're, not really cool, right? Mm-hmm. It ain't. And so like, and so like, we're really trying to teach them to like, look, try this mm-hmm. instead of this. You know, I mean, I see some of my students on there flashing pistols and all that. I'm like, yo, is this? You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, I see you, you know, you big and bad, but look, mm. this is what's going to happen if you continue to do this. Right. You know, and, and, and we just love on them. It's not, hey, I'm going to tell you. No, no, we just love on them. You know, we just love on them and show them, like, look, this is this is the end result for what you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think <clears throat> to add to that part, you know, I think a lot of people emulate what they see. You know, their admirers do, like, for example, um, I mean, not to throw his name out there, but when Soldier Boy was kind of in a little beef with somebody, he was flashing guns on right, Instagram right. and all that. Right, right. But you know, I mean, not, I mean, I don't really know that dude. You know what I'm saying? But not to take away from his character, but he's perceived as not that image. You know what I'm right. saying? He's more for the kids or whatever. So I think if you show or kind of expose how he really is to the kids, right. and you see like you know he might be faking the funk or whatever, then the kids are kind of be like, oh well. You know what I'm saying? I guess that's not cool because he's not really that. Not saying he ain't really that because I don't know him. But still, just to project that image, you know, to try to show off when it's not really you, you know. But the kids are looking at it like that's cool. It's like someone needs to expose that to the kids so they can learn early on that 
these cats is not really who they say they are. Right. You know what I'm saying? I think right. that'll kind of give them a wake up call because a lot of them is just influenced by the music, and it might be they might just be talking about some gangster stuff and. They listen to it and they gravitate to that, but they don't really know the person behind those words. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think if that element of it is exposed early on, and the kids are kind of be like, oh, "Okay, yeah, that's not really cool," because he ain't right. really about that life. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's just my opinion. Hey, that's real, man. And, and, and like, that's what I always tell them: like, hey, do not believe what you see on this media. <clears throat> you know, but you know, but believe some of it, but have that discernment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know because. Um, you know, like these kids are, you know, it's it's crazy because like, you know, you see the poorest kids in the city because San Bernardino City is very poor in, um, in, in certain parts, you know, um, well, most of it is very poor. Um, but you see these kids in the hood, you know, you know, with designer clothes on, Jordans, mm -hmm. you know, but then you go to their house and it's like moms are struggling with, with, with food, you know, like there's... There's nothing to eat, and, you know, in the wrong place. right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's because of what they're taught. Mm -hmm. You know, like what they see on the on the media. Like, I need to get that Gucci belt to be fly. You know, like I need to have all this gold on because this is just what people like. You mm -hmm. know, and so like I, you know, like I try to teach them the, you know, the importance of like you know valuing who you are. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, looking at yourself, finding what you love about yourself, and going with that. Mm -hmm. You know, like not looking at what people see, um, not looking at what you see on TV um, as the standard, you know, because all that stuff is fake. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, most of these guys are wearing fake jewelry, you mm -hmm. know, like... Renting you know, cars, renting right. houses, renting, renting cars. girls. Right. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? You know, but these kids think like, oh, that's what I need to do. And so it disgusts me, bro, like when I hear music sometimes in this, in the same formula. This be that be this up. Uh, she gave me top. She did. She did this blammer gun pills pop. That's the that's the whole formula for rap. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's crazy. It's, it's sad, man. But it's like you know, it, it goes beyond that because it's like it's really the the labels that have control over the artists that's telling them what to do, and because they're just looking at analytics. They're looking at what's selling, what type of music, what are these kids talking about as far as the songs right. that are selling. And they try to emulate that to keep money, to keep revenue coming in because it's a business. But it's sad. It's at the expense of the artists. It's at the expense of the, the fans. Mm -hmm. You know, because they're following that message. Yeah, they're buying the tickets and they're buying the CDs, but they're following the message that could steer them in the wrong direction. But to them, all they want is dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was looking at a story with the... Uh, Takashi Six Nine dude and uh and Trippy Red right. and they was in a little beef. Right, right. But right. <laughs> it was fueled by the label because they're both signed to the same label right. and not everybody knew that. So yeah, as they yeah. were beefing, yeah. fans are picking sides, the uh label's getting all the money because mm -hmm. it's either side, they're both signed to mm -hmm. that one entity. Right. So it's like, you know, I think the label has a lot to do with it and you know, they should want to push more of a better message, but again, they trying to keep the lights on. Right. So it's it's sad that it's at the expense of the fans and all that, you know, if they're steering in the wrong direction, but they don't care about that shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like what it's like what can you do at that point, you know what I'm saying? And even as an artist, like looking at somebody with the chains and the girls and all that and you trying to come up and you see that in the forefront of the situation, so you're like, Damn, that's what I gotta do mm -hmm. and it kinda you know, even if you don't stand for that, but it kind of makes you feel like you kind of got to ride that wave to get on because you're not on. 
You know what I'm saying? That's what's being showcased, you know what I'm saying? And it's frustrating as an artist, even for myself, you know, because I came from New York, from the Bronx, hip-hop started spitting bars, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, when you're coming in the game like that, but everybody's putting out these dance records and stuff, it kind of makes you want to switch to see, basically hit chasing, trying to get a hit, right. you know what I'm saying? And it's, right. like, and, 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 and it's frustrating because to your core audience, they'll see the reach, if you're trying to be something you're not, then you could kind of lose fans like that. And and on top of that, you're still not on. So it's like, it's just frustrating trying to find yourself as an artist because you're trying to follow what's so, so-called so hot because right. it's in the forefront. Right. But, That's yeah, real, man. man. That's real, man. It's That's different. why, you know, it's just... Frustrating. <laughs> man, hey, I understand, man. And, 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 and it's just like, you know, like, that's why I like the J. Coles and like the, you know, uh, because like, I know his album, um, he had a, declining sales mm-hmm. on, on his last album mm-hmm. you know and, and that's because you know like I mean like the content change you know yeah. uh, unfortunately you know people don't want to hear positivity or like real stuff anymore you know what I'm saying they want to hear you know just the stuff that you know like you know all, all the stuff that I mentioned um, trap shit prior, yeah mm-hmm. and so like I try to tell the kids like man like you could talk about your dreams of cashing checks you know chasing a bag and stuff like that but at the same time, you know, like, let's talk about some real stuff. Though. Mm-hmm. Like, well, like, what are you doing right now in your life to yeah. get to that point? Mm-hmm. Rap about that in your music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, and so we try to keep it positive. We won't let them cuss. You know what I mean? And, like, it's just it's just all, you know, it's it's just raw talent, bro. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what we do is just cultivate that talent to help them get to the next level. We shoot music videos for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is stuff that I never imagined... Having as a child at, at, at 16, 16, 17 year old years old, because I used to rap when I was 16, 17, mm-hmm. that too. But, um, you know, being 16, 17, performing in front of thousands of people, yeah, like that's insane, you know right. what I'm saying? So it's a blessing, man. Like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just glad that, you know, I, you know, I'm able to provide that for him. Yeah, man, no, that's super dope, man. Um, I think you should try to get some, try to. Sp- some type of sponsorship with actual major labels because right. the artist development uh, tactics are done in the music industry. Nobody developing artists anymore. Right. They're looking right. for somebody who looks like they made it on their own and they're right. coming in trying to do deals with them so they can get money off their way. So it's like if you get with a label to try to sponsor that, then you'll kind of act as the artist development program right. you know, for them because they're seeking uh, younger talent. You know, to get the most out of them, like years to come. So I think you should try to. Get, get, yeah, you should yeah. try to get some spot. <laughs> hey man, I'm full of them, dog. I'm telling you, from you the team. Yeah, I'm here, brother. <laughs> Epic, I'll have. Now that's what I'm saying. You highlight them because right. you already got the platform. You already got the structure and the business plan. You already molding these this talent, these soldiers. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you come to them with that hat on. Like, listen, I already started my artist development program. I have 1,500 kids already involved. You know what I'm saying? We already shooting videos for them. Got them with the producers on the internship side. You know, pay me as their artist developer. And you can do that with multiple labels, you know, because they're not trying to do that anymore. But that's missing from the game because there's so much raw talent, like you said. That's not getting the opportunity because the analytics, they don't have the followers, they don't have the likes, they don't got the views, you know, but you're already developing that for them, you know what I'm saying? So now you just basically, just what I'm basically trying to say is don't underestimate the business you're in, you know what I'm saying? It's not just 
the the youth enrichment program. You know what I'm saying? It's not just the internship. You're in an artist development phase also because that's mm -hmm. what you're doing. You're developing artists. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Through music. So now you get the labels involved and you might get a check from multiple labels. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The next thing you know, that's residuals forever. Because now you're getting the finest fee. You know what I'm saying? You're developing the artist. You're finding the artist. You're like, man, listen, man, let me broker that deal for you, brother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's Make do it. Happen, it. You know? let's, let's do it. But yeah, and then, and then on top of that, you get the the uh, the document, the Terry stuff that I told you about. You know what I'm saying? We could start working on that. And that'll add more to, to the... Just the process of developing an artist. That could be the whole niche behind the the uh, the document, the documentary. You know what I'm saying? I like starting that pro the developing the artist phase. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't you don't see that. Right. It's it's obsolete in the music industry now. Mm -hmm. So I think that would be a good uh, avenue. So we got the documentary and we got the artist development, man. I mean, I could go on and on with these <laughs> ideas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we could work thanks. together. <laughs> Nah, man, but that's what's up, man. So, 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 what's next for you as far as that goes, man? As far as the enrichment program, as far as any new books you're writing, any, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, whatever else man, you got. Um, man, I mean, you know, I mean, just focusing on the program, and then um, I'm uh, writing a book now, man. This, all the all the fellas gonna be mad at this. Mm. Um, so, like, I'm writing a book, man. It's called Breaking the Guy Code. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you know, this book that I'm writing, you know, because I, you know, I went through my player phases and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. You know, and so I'm just trying to set things right, man. So, um, so you know, this book is for the ladies, you know, to, to, you know, to how to identify if your dude is a dog, if he's playing you, the different types of dogs, the different types of cheaters, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, um, I'm about four chapters in right now, man, and um, it's an interesting book, you know. It's gonna be something huge. Nah, I, I, I like I love the idea, and, and uh, when, you know, if I could contribute to that as well, because I've had my phase, you know, being a player and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying, womanizer, whatever you want to call it. But you know, I feel like I could contribute to that. Been that most of my life, you know, until I met my girl, and now it's just me and her. So you know. I would definitely yeah, love to sit yeah, down yeah, on that hey, part after. We can, you know what I'm saying? Like, we can tag team on it. You know what I'm saying? I'm down, bro. I'm mm -hmm. super down. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? So, I'm down. But, hey, that's uh, we're not going to leak too much information of what we got coming <laughs> in store. Let yeah. the people know where they can follow you and the, and the, and the, uh -huh. the group, the chords group and everything. Man, y'all can follow me uh, on Facebook, um, Edwin Dale Johnson Jr. Um, y'all can follow me on Instagram at edj.jr or... Um, Chords E Y P C H O R D S E Y P, um, and then same thing with Snapchat unders Edwin underscore Chords, and um, or y'all can call me nine zero nine seven two three zero four eight zero. Send me a text. I text you back. Don't call me though, cause that's kind of weird. Text me. Right, right, right. <laughs> I ain't giving out my number. Don't ever call me. Man. Text you me. Do nine to five on the weekdays. Yes. That's it. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast. Edwin Johnson, Johnny Vegas. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. And make sure you click the subscribe button, man. We need all the subscribers we can. Thank you. Have a good night. Have a good one.